The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The debt of time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Well, hello, Kat. English! English, because I am also going to use one of my favorite English words today. Today is chapter 75, episode 5.7. We are a palindrome today. Nice word. I know. I love palindromes. Actually, the first part of our editor's name is a palindrome. Hannah is a palindrome. Ava, Ada. I learned this from the Poisonwood Bible. Thank you. Race car is a palindrome, same way, front ways, and back ways, kayak. Um, also, not quite a palindrome, but if you write out, um, I am a spaghetti hog, backwards it is, go hang a salami. There's a different word for that. Oh my god. There's something that if it's the, sa- if it's the same thing back and forward as palindrome, and I don't remember what it's called when it's, it's still like English, what both yes. directions. I-, I don't know what the word is. All right, fans, you have homework for this week. No, 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 no. You don't. We let the fans do this. We want them to be involved. This is true. Is it kind of like how red rum is murder? Yes. yes. It's exactly like that. Okay. But yes, that that was one of my favorite moments of uh, middle school was writing out on the whiteboard, go hang a salami. And then backwards it was, I am a spaghetti hog. And it blew my tiny eighth grade mind. And it was, it, it was one of those educational moments that you just keep with you forever. And every single one of my teachers is like glaring. They're hearing this in their dreams and they're going, I fucking spent an entire year teaching you. And all you remember is the nerdy boy teaching you that go hang a salami backwards as I am a spaghetti hog. But yes, that was one of my, it's up there with some of my greatest learning moments. Pretty sure that's the year I learned how to spell boobies upside down on the calculator, too. (laughs) You know what my favorite moment with him was? Was when we were on the bus in London and he just started singing Elton John's Your Song and everybody was just like glued to him just watching him sing because his voice is just like... He was a boy soprano and had... Six older sisters, five blood sisters, and an adopted sister. And pause. Record for Shia. We forgot to record you, and so long story short, we're talking about this time that we were in London on a band trip, and this young boy started singing your song by Elton John. I'm sorry. You went to London on a band trip? What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) We did ninth grade. Who takes 14-year-olds to London on a band trip? 14 to 18-year-olds on a band trip to London. A hundred and twenty of them. Yikes. Yikes. 
honestly, though, it was a kind of amazing experience. It was my first time in the UK. Um, was not my last. I did go one more time. It was very fun, which I've talked about previously. But we spent a week in London. We got to play with the British Army Band. And it was there was a lot of translations. They call quarter notes like tremels or tremors or I, I don't quivers. I don't know. There was a very strange the, the translation between music terms, but obviously reading music, it's the same. But they would say things like, oh, when you're p- playing these notes and we're like, what notes? And they're like, oh, begging your pardon. You would call them quarter notes. And we were like, oh, yes, lovely. Well done. And we all came back with terrible British accents and it was wonderful. But yes, did in fact sing uh, your song by Elton John and had grown up singing and was phenomenal at it. And the entire bus just shut the fuck up and just listened. And I think some people cried. Like, that's, it was that good. Like, yeah, I wish somebody uh, would have recorded that because that was like, ah. Uh, that was a moment. Did people uh, have video smartphones then? Like No, but we, I, I had a voice recorder on my phone uh, that I could have used. Also, that was uh, the one where Kat got really mad and wouldn't talk to me because I got in the habit of every time somebody said something, I would say, your mom does. And it was what I couldn't stop saying. It. She's like, that's dumb. I'm like, your mom's dumb. Oh, that's a pretty coat. Your mom's a pretty coat. It was so bad that Kat just got mad and wouldn't talk to me. Yeah, it it was bad. I, I backed that choice. That's annoying as fuck. Oh, and by the way, the other peoples also, as we got older, I forgot what grade we were in. They also got to go to Italy, but Claire and I didn't get to go. So we stayed home and watched Roman Holiday and ate Italian food. So <laughs> Yes, they did go to Rome Such two years a good, later. good movie. I love Roman yeah. Holiday. But... Um, our parents were not able to afford us to be able to go there, so we had our own fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kat, what had happened was... What had happened was... So, Remus had to have a little bit of a bro talk with Sirius and be like, if you hurt Maya, I almost said the bad word. Um, the H I'm word much- or, the e- or the Thermopolis word? The Thermopolis word. It, it takes. It hurts my brain. I have to really concentrate and focus when I say it's her name. So, Remus was pretty much like, if you hurt her, I'm going to kick your butt. And he was like asking Sirius if he loves her. And he was like, yeah, I do. But then he started freaking out and be like, I don't want to mess it up, man. I can't mess it up with her. Like, I just can't do that. And he, they were having a whole talk about all of that. And then somewhere in there, Sirius turned 18. And then Gryffindor and Ravenclaw played each other in Quidditch. And then I forgot who won or who Gryffindor. lost. But yeah, okay, darn. Well, Gryffindor so, won. Yes, I know. Oh, yes. Darn it. Well, yes, darn it for me. But for yes, the sake of the story, yay. Yes. So then when the game was over, Sirius found Maya <laughs> in his bed wearing nothing but his robe and undies. And the robe had his name on it. He was like, <laughs> she's wearing the robe with my name on it. 
So that made him feel some type of way. And then quick, quick pause. T- I just watched Hannah Beth. I'm pretty sure she just spit tea out. Anyway, continue. Okay. So then they tried to get it on, but it didn't really work out because Remus had to be a butthead and interrupt them. But he did it for a good reason because he was like, James and Lily are in the same room. And pretty much Lily spent the night with James in his bed and stuff. And they were like, yeah, it, it, it's your chance to get them back. So they were like, oh, crap, let's get dressed and go get them back. So they brought them breakfast and Lily answered the door and she was wearing James's shirt and she was like, oh, crap. And then she claimed that they were up late working on head boy and girl stuff, which I can't remember the exact thing she said that they were working on. But she was like, yeah, we just lost track of time. Yeah, <laughs> that that's what happened. And, um... Then they were like, so James, you take her maidenhead? And totally denied it. And then the boys got into a uh, Animagus fight because Remus and Sirius slept with Maya and James was not very happy about that. And I guess they were going to, like, bite him or something because Lily was like, you're not going to hurt him, right? Yeah. So um, they brought up the breakfast, but they also overheard them having sex oh yeah that's right because he was like muffly auto dude like, yeah yeah and, how hard is that and maya thinking back to her hermione days was like ew like father like son harry's terrible at remembering to put up silencing spells as well but yeah so uh hermione remembered that you know harry had never used silencing spells with Ginny. so maya's like ew gross guess i know where he got it from um made him drink the mood juice along with Lily and both of them turned bright blue, which is satisfied. Uh, which I think James looked kind of like cocky about. But the other thing is we all remember James got really drunk and attacked them in Animagus form when he found out that they took Maya's maidenhead. And so uh, Maya and Sirius switch into their Animagus form to get him back and Lily's like, you're not going to hurt them, which is exactly what you said. And Remus is like, i got a goddamn antler between the ribs. He can handle a couple of tooth marks. So, but yes, all in all, good recap. Well done. Well done. Um, yeah, that brings us to chapter 75, Elf Wine and Ink. That uh, sounds like they got drunk and got a tattoo. I mean, not wrong. So this is a, uh, our last chapter was November 5th, 1977. So this is a bit of a jump. This is December 18th, 1977. So same year, about a month and a week later. Remus smiled, trunk in hand, at a joke that Peter said. Looking back, he rolled his eyes at the sight of James and Lily. He assumed the couple thought they were being subtle and proper, but everyone on the platform was looking at the pair as though they were ready to climb back into the train and into a private compartment. Remus wondered if they should. He spotted Charles Potter standing at the end of the platform, nine and three quarters, smiling as the group began to approach. Oh, Charles is by himself. Hmm. It was good to see the man smile. Remus had worried that when they all returned for Christmas, Potter Manor would feel empty and lifeless without Doria there. It was clear, however, that Tilly had been taking very good care of James and Maya's father. The older wizard grinned and ran a hand through his messy salt-and-pepper hair. 
It was certainly more salt than pepper these days, and despite it thinning around the edges, it still stuck up in the back just like James's hair did. When they reached Charles, Peter and Remus shifted to allow James to be the first to greet his father. It was, however, Lily who stepped forward with a bright smile, her small hand clutched within James's palm. Hello, Mr. Potter. Charles teasingly tugged her hand from James's grip in order to kiss the back of it. I can't tell you how happy I am to see you both, well, happy. He chuckled as he released her before wrapping James in a tight hug and then doing the same to Remus and Peter. Dare I ask? Charles looked at Remus with a raised brow. Remus chuckled, knowing exactly what the man meant. He cleared his throat and gestured over his shoulder before looking back to see Maya and Sirius step off the train. Maya laughed brightly as Sirius danced her down the platform, spinning the little witch in his arms and dipping her low to place a kiss on her mouth. Charles frowned at the sight, which caused Remus, Peter, and James to laugh. Less happy about this, Charles said, as Sirius lifted Maya back to her feet, taking her hand in his own and leading her towards her family, both smiling joyfully. When did this happen? James patted his father consolingly on the back. James patted his father consolingly on the back. Last month. Charles turned his eyes toward Remus. Do I get to blame you for this? Would it help? Remus offered with a smile, snorting in amusement when Maya rushed into her father's arms, but Sirius stayed a bit behind, suddenly looking out of place. After hugging his daughter, Charles looked at Sirius and raised a brow. Son? Sir? Sir, Charles laughed loudly. I haven't been sir to you since you were twelve. When did I become sir instead of dad? Maya smirked, taking Lily's hand in her own and walking towards the public flue. She looked back, likely to see if the others would follow, but Remus shook his head. He spent hours on the train watching Sirius work himself into a fit as he practiced what to say to Maya's father. They all predicted that the best-case scenario was that Charles would be thrilled to see his daughter dating his semi-adopted son. Worst-case scenario involved a wizard's duel, and, for twenty minutes, James, Remus, and Peter jokingly made bets on how quickly Charles could disarm Sirius. Having witnessed the rehearsals, Remus was not about to miss the big show. <clears throat> When I started dating your daughter, sir, Sirius said. Has this been properly dealt with? Charles asked, looking at James. James looked pleased with the awkward way Sirius was standing, his posture straight. It's been taken care of, although I haven't received any letters of intent, he pointed out with a daring smirk. Have you, Dad? Not a one, Charles shook his head, feigning disappointment. Sirius narrowed his gray eyes at James before turning them on Remus. <clears throat> well, I'm not as old-fashioned as Mooney, he said with a scowl. With Charles's attention focused on Sirius, Remus flipped his friend a rude hand gesture. I am, however, going to move out. I'll be looking for my own flat over the holiday. Son, you know that's not necessary, Charles insisted, dropping the protective father tone, putting his hand on Sirius's shoulder. You're just as much my son as James is, and your home is with us, whatever new relationship you have with Maya. Sirius, I trust you. I appreciate that, Dad. You have no idea how much I appreciate that. Sirius sighed with obvious relief and ran a hand through his hair. But it is necessary. 
You've given me everything, and I'm not going to disrespect you by living under the same roof as my girlfriend and her family. Even if it's also my family. Mooney did it for a year, James pointed out. Hit prongs for me, will you? Remus asked Peter, who seemed to act on instinct, punching James in the arm, only to look horrified when James didn't dodge the hit in time. James spun on Peter, eyes wide, and Peter squeaked before hiding behind Remus. Boys, Charles muttered under his breath. Mooney didn't have the money to get out on his own, Sirius said. No offense, mate. Remus nodded. None taken. Speaking of Remus, I'm taking him with me. Sirius announced with a smile that Remus shared. They had worked out a plan in advance before it became public knowledge, and, as they expected, Charles looked surprised at the news. Don't think I'd do too well on my own, anyway. I'm used to babysitting Sirius, Remus said, sidestepping James, who would use the advantage to hit Peter in the arm and put his arm around Sirius's shoulder. We'll be fine on our own. Charles nodded his head at them looking what Remus could only assume was a mixture of pride and fatherly concern. All right, if that's your decision. You're both men now, and you've a right to decide for yourselves. But my home is always your home. That goes for the both of you. Now, James, how are things going between you and the lovely Lily? He asked, with a smile as the five wizards turned and headed towards the flu. I don't see any hex marks or bruises. Grinning, Sirius suggested, check under his clothing. No reaction. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. You're just listening. It's fine. Yeah. They're talking about hickeys. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Really and truly, back to the dead of time. Christmas was celebrated with less enthusiasm than in years past. Without Doria there to lead the charge, it just didn't feel as spirited as normal. Peter went home to his family after only one night at Potter Manor, while Lily stayed three full days before apparating home to Cokeworth to visit her parents, sister, and brother-in-law. The full moon fell on Christmas Day, so instead of opening presents early in the morning, they had done it all the night before and spent the 25th of December napping the day away before setting up protective wards in the orchards out back. As night fell, the dog, stag, and little fox sprinted across the wide open space, followed casually by a golden-eyed wolf. The four creatures fell asleep curled up together beneath a large tree near the river and woke to snow covering the ground. After shifting back to her human form, Maya smiled at the sight and cast a warming charm on Remus before transfiguring her scarf into a blanket with which to cover him. The rest of Christmas holidays were spent relaxing, at least for the young adults. Charles had meetings to attend, and, while James, Remus, and Sirius were all curious about what those meetings entailed, Maya remained silent. She assumed that her father was a member of the Order of the Phoenix, and that trouble was drawing near. Despite their offers to help, James and Maya were politely declined when Sirius and Remus left in search of a flat. They returned home hours later, looking victorious, but insisted no one was allowed inside their new place until the summer, when they had a chance to put things in order. Just before the new year, the four young residents of Potter Manor decided to pay their mother a visit. Doria's final resting place was in a lovely cemetery just outside of Somerset. 
Maya had taken out her wand and waved it, creating and then placing a Christmas wreath on the grave of Doria Potter. In very little time, the four found themselves in the mood to drown their sorrows. Apparating to the leaky, they were faced with an abundance of elf wine that Tom, the barman, had been gifted for Christmas and was all too eager to share with good company. Several hours later, James was being carried into the flue by a still sober Remus, while Maya and Sirius slipped out the door and stumbled into Muggle London, mischievous looks on their faces. Cat, what's the name of this chapter? Elf wine and ink. It is indeed. Well, we have the first part of that story. Let's find the second part. January 17th, 1978. Once back at Hogwarts, routine became normal again. In Gryffindor Tower, the bathroom connected to the boys' dormitory, oh, in the bathroom connected to the boys' dormitory, the three seventh-year wizards stood in front of a long horizontal mirror that hung above a row of sinks. <coughs> I needed to get that out. I was sitting at the back of my throat. Why does it taste like banana? I haven't eaten bananas. Oh, it's cucumber. I don't know why I got those two mixed up. Oh, sorry, <laughs> HP. <laughs> because both can be used for demonstration. Oh, stop it! <laughs> <laughs> in Gryffindor Tower, in the bathroom connected to the boys' dormitory, the three seventh-year wizards stood in front of a long horizontal mirror that hung above a row of sinks. Peter was busily trying to, was busy trying to use his wand to shave the stubble from his face. Remus had taken the easier route and applied. Herbert Hylops, Hyslops, Herbert Hyslops Magical Hair Removal Cream. Yawning. Is that like wizard nair? Yeah. Nice. Yawning and glaring at the dark circles under his eyes, courtesy of the approaching full moon. Sirius, meanwhile, stepped from the shower, a towel wrapped low around his hips, as he faced the mirror and raked his fingers through his damp hair. Wouldn't it be cool if they could just have, like, a hair remover spell where they just, like, take their wand and, like, put it up to their leg and say it, and then all the hairs just, like, come up and float away? Permanently. So, okay, that was going to be my question, though. You were talking about uh, hair removal things. Does that mean that there's spells to get pubic hair in the right shape that you want oh my god think of the magical vajacials right cat introduced me to the term vajacial what is a fucking vajacial what the hell is that well you know how gwyneth paltrow has goop well (laughs) she came out with vajacials and apparently it's when you give a facial like you would your face but there's steam but well, no, actually, you're not it's supposed to douche. do the steam because, yeah. Well, the doctors proved that the steam is not good for you, but oh, they make God. like you know how they have like those sheet masks. They make those for down. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they also make them for your butt and for your boobs. I, I use I've the seen butt, butt masks. I've, yeah, I've used them. For your boobs too. I bought them as a joke for my best friend and I for Christmas one year, and I was like, all right. It was the weirdest thing, though, because you have to, like, lay on your stomach very still or, like, (laughs) at least bottomless for 20 minutes. It was, like, the weirdest experience of my life. That's that's fair. I did not think about that aspect of it. But it helped. I, like, it was, like, it's for, like, butt acne. Nobody wants a bumpy butt. Yeah. And there's this other company that makes, um... 
They call it booty something. I can't remember, but the before and after pictures are amazing. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Again, fans, if you know what we're talking about. (laughs) Okay, for the third millionth time in the Gryffindor Tower. (laughs) Sirius, meanwhile, stepped from the shower, a towel wrapped low around his hips as he faced the mirror and raked his fingers through his damp hair. You gonna be ready for practice, Padfoot? James asked, as he poked his head into the door. He was already wearing his Quidditch robes, eager to start the year off right by driving the team into the ground. Do you think I'd risk losing a game to my little brother? Sirius scoffed at the notion. Are you out of your mind? I've been just waiting for the day I can smack a bludger at his smug, stupid face and knock him off his broom. Patfoot? What is that? Sirius looked at Remus, feigning innocence. What is what? Pads. James grabbed him by the shoulders, spinning him around until he came face to face with inked script written across Sirius's pectoral. He glared at the tattoo. Is that my sister's name tattooed on your chest? You're not supposed to do that. What, tattoo somebody's name on your chest? Or on you, period? Yeah, you're... You're not supposed to do that. Unless it's your kids or your mama, you're not supposed to do that. Have we learned nothing from Nick Cannon getting Mariah across his back and then having to get Jesus on his back to cover it up? You don't do that. I respect the people who do. I have known significantly more people who have had to cover them up than otherwise. Yeah, like, unless you're 80 years old and have been married for a million years, I wouldn't recommend it. Yes. But then again, we respect those who do. We just... I respect that level of commitment and assurance that everything is going to be okay. But... Uh... Yeah. See, in my situation, I could do that because our name started the same <laughs> letter. So I could just be like... It's my initial. I initialed it's it my on initial. myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I get the Alzheimer's later, I can remember what my name is. I will say I have always, like, I don't forever anticipate, you know, getting divorced or whatever. It's not in the game plan for us. But, like, uh, what if he dies? Then that's weird and hard. And, like, that's where I'm like, it... Mm. As somebody who has a memorial to mm-hmm. a ex who passed away, tattooed on them, it yeah. was a little awkward to explain to the first guy who saw it. <laughs> yeah see it'd be hard yeah no it's uh it's definitely uncomfortable but you know what i i don't regret it at all and he understands and respects it it was just a little awkward at the uh oh so why so what's this one and you know what else claire if i did that i could also be like i'm a kansas city fan um, <laughs> no bad I know, but I'm just saying, I could make up for it. You know, I did think about tattooing our monogram on us, purely because if something horrible ever does happen, if you do it the traditional way where it's his first initial, the last initial, and then my first initial, because the man goes first, because the patriarchy, uh, it's JFC. And given how much I say Jesus fucking Christ, I thought... I really want to get it monogrammed on, like, towels and just not say anything. And when people are like, is that – I'm going to play completely dumb and pretend like I don't know what the fuck they're talking about and just 
completely avoid the fact that the monogram all over See, my house is Jesus fucking Christ. But you're in the South, so they'll just go, oh, it's your monogram. I wish they would notice it the other way, but that's... Oh, no, I think they probably will notice that it's also those initials, but like... But you're right, the monogram culture would make it less weird. And then a couple weeks from now, Claire's going to be like, so I got a box from Blaze today. (laughs) It was a bunch of towels. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the reason that the guy's name goes first is the same reason that whenever you write traditionally traditional calligraphy when you write your married name out you say the woman's name first is because you should never separate the man from his last name in case you wanted to know that fucking bullshit so that his name would go first so that you were there's not a separation between his first name and last name fuck the patriarchy there and so that you don't have a separation of you in between his names isn't that bullshit it's bullshit. Yeah, you tell him, Max. He went, hmm, because he thinks that's crap. You know what else is a bunch of BS that not everybody can combine your names and have it sound cool? Yeah, that is also true. Oh my god, okay. Sirius raised a challenging brow at his friend. Keeping one hand secure on his towel, he used the other to tug at James's robes. Is that Lily's name tattooed on your chest? Remember how we said we were getting so much better and we weren't tangenty anymore? We sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> I was literally listening to an old thing and I was like, wow, we really thought we were so much better. On a throne of lies. Okay, so next podcast, we need to record in a bomb bunker somewhere, like it blasts from the past, because that's the only time we're going to get privacy. Flustered, James tried to play it off. That's completely different. If by different you mean that Lily doesn't have your name tattooed on her, then sure. Sirius nodded and turned away from James, reaching for his morning mouthwash potion. You're taking the piss. Remus gaped at him. Sirius tried very hard not to laugh at the look on his face. He had once snorted morning mouthwash potion, and it burnt all the hairs out of the inside of his nose. After spitting, Sirius ran his tongue over his teeth, schooled his features, and smiled at Remus's reflection in the mirror. What can I say? The witch loves me. You actually convinced Maya to get a tattoo of your name? Peter stared at him in absolute awe. On your body? On her body. On her body? Thank you, Cat. No, idiot. On her book bag, Sirius said, ignoring the noises that were coming from James on his other side. Yes, on her body, and I hardly needed to do any convincing, he insisted, and then added as an afterthought. That I remember. You got my sister drunk and took her to a tattoo parlor? James snapped. It's technically said tattoo shop, but I'm so used to saying parlor. (laughs) Not like it's the first time. And I, I did not get her drunk. You got her drunk. Technically, you got us both drunk and then just left us at the leaky to fend for ourselves. Whatever else were we supposed to do? Not get tattoos, James suggested incredulously. Where's the fun in that? Besides, she likes it. Where'd she get it? Peter inquired. Why does Peter even care? Like, shut (laughs) up. He's a pervy little fucking voyeur. We know this. 
Nobody likes you. <laughs> That's mean, but nobody likes you. It's fine. Sirius turned and glared at him, remembering years earlier when they'd all found out that Peter had once spied on Remus and Maya having sex. Sirius was not about to fall into a similar situation. Nowhere Prongs wants to know, and nowhere either of you is ever going to see. He gestured to Remus and Peter, both, the former laughing at the threat, considering he could easily have said he'd seen just as much of Maya as Sirius had. Peter, however, looked properly ashamed of himself for even asking in the first place. James just looked embarrassed. Peter needs a hobby. <laughs> Peter needs to get laid. <laughs> like, what does he think? Like, he's next? Like, I just... Ew. Ew. Ah, Gross. Well. That fair, fair. Pack bond. Oh, he's not part of the pack, though. Oh, yeah. Across the tower in the girls' dormitories, Lily, Alice, and Mary all sat on the edge of Mary's bed staring at Maya, who was clad in a pair of purple lace knickers and an old, well-worn black Sabbath t-shirt of Sirius's that hung past her hips. All three witches were staring at her, heads tilted to the side. Oh. My. God. Lily gaped, her bright green eyes wide in shock and possibly horror. Alice blushed. It sure is high up. That is so sexy, Mary commented with a smirk. Did it hurt? Not that I remember, Maya laughed and slipped her jeans on before throwing her house robes over her muggle attire. You were drinking? Alice chuckled. Fire whiskey? Elf wine, Maya corrected. Lily laughed, shaking her head. The two of you have a drinking problem. I'd say their addictions are more of a carnal nature, Mary pointed out with a grin, and the other girls laughed in response. Maya smiled at her three friends, blissfully happy that she had bonded with the witches so well, considering how she struggled to maintain female friendships besides Ginny in her other timeline. She'd always thought that Ginny was the exception to the rule, but after becoming friends with Mary, Lily, Alice, and even Pandora, Maya wondered if maybe Lavender and Pravardi had been the problem all along. Look in your lives, I guarantee there's a Pavardi and a Lavender. It's not your fault, it's theirs. Did he really get one with your name? Mary asked, her eyes alight with anticipation. Maya nodded, blushing a little. On his chest. She had to admit that it was foolish and reckless and the most spontaneous she had ever been without putting her life in danger. All it had taken was Sirius saying he wanted her name against his heart forever, and she had swooned like one of Lily's romance heroines. After that, it was just a few well-whispered words into her ear from Sirius before she was agreeing to get one to match. Once she sobered up, she felt mildly embarrassed, but when the mark healed, she noticed that Sirius had become a lot more sexually aggressive at the sight of his name on her flesh, especially so close to one of his favorite parts. That's so steamy, Mary giggled, snapping Maya out of her momentary daydream. It's insane. Lily countered. Is that what you tell my brother any time he walks around shirtless? Maya asked, daring her friend to argue with her. What's this? Mary's eyes lit up once again. James Potter has a tattoo? Lily rolled her eyes. It's just a bunch of flowers. A bunch of lilies, Maya said with a grin. Oh, you two were so lucky, Mary announced dramatically. Maya and Lily shared a look and both laughed. 
Mary certainly was one for theatrics, but neither could argue with her. They were indeed incredibly lucky, tattoos or not. Frank would never get a tattoo. He hates needles, Alice said, and then hesitated a moment before speaking once more. But he did get something else quite permanent. Better than ink? Mary asked curiously, rolling over on her bed just as Alice extended her hand towards her friends. The sunlight breaking in through the window shone over a sparkling ruby on her finger. Merlin! Mary squealed and fell off of her bed in the process with a loud thud. She quickly recovered, jumping to her feet and snatching Alice's hand to examine the jewel. Look at the size of that thing! He really asked you'd marry him? Alice beamed brightly while nodding. Congratulations, Maya grinned, pulling her friend into a tight hug. I'm so happy for you. How did he ask? Fumbled a bit, nervously. Alice replied softly, smiling the entire time. You know Frank. He was really sweet, though. Apparently he had to fight his mum and uncle for the ring. She studied it with downcast eyes. It's been in the house Longbottom for centuries. It's so lovely. Lily said admiringly. I can't believe you're engaged. Mary winked at her. We told you that wizards work fast. Suddenly, a bit pale, Lily's eyes widened. Do you think that James would... Oh, no. I, I can't even start thinking like that. Alice laughed softly. My guess is you'll be engaged by summer. Maya threw in her two knuts worth. I'm going to say by this time next year. She could have done the arithmetic equations, consulted tea leaves, or even looked into a crystal ball, but in reality, all she had to do was take Harry's birthday, subtract nine months, figure out how long it would take to plan a wedding, and then add what she thought would be an adequate amount of time for Lily to fret. I'm just going to say that you're a bunch of slags, and I'm jealous, and I hate you all. Mary insisted with a smirk, falling back down on her bed, throwing one arm over her head, jokingly like a damsel. Not only is Alice engaged, and the two of you have secured the two fittest wizards in the school, but Maya probably ruined Lupin for the rest of us, and now no other witch will ever compare. What's the rest of it, what are the rest of us left with? Maya laughed. Peter? You're cruel. Mary said with a miserable groan. I'd rather marry a Hufflepuff. What's wrong with a Hufflepuff, <laughs> You tell him, Kat. We got feelings, too. Yeah, you do. Twenty minutes later, the girls made their way into the Great Hall and over to the Gryffindor table, where James and Sirius were waiting for them. Both boys were wearing their red and gold Quidditch robes, and Maya could not help but appreciate the well-worn attire as she sat down across from Sirius. Look at those beautiful witches, Mr. Padfoot. James grinned, standing up and stepping over the table to sit beside Lily instead of walking around. Lily scolded him with a silent look, rolling her eyes as he fell in place next to her. Are we not the luckiest blokes in the whole wizarding world? We are indeed, Mr. Prongs. Sirius winked across the table at Maya. Luckiest in the whole world, in fact. You know who else is lucky? You guys are, because there are still two days left of the Suds and Slytherin sale over at Starcross Sundries. You thought we forgot, but we did not. 15% off for two more days. Don't forget that the sale ends on May 9th. Cat, what are they going to get from Starcross Sundries? 
Wax melts, candles, and soaps. Woo-cha! They're smell good. They're delicious. They're delectable. We love them. They leave your skin feeling oh so scrummy. And they have biodegradable glitter. It's everything I ever wanted in a soap. That is not important. What is important is that for two more days, 48 more hours, until May 9th, you can get 15% off if you put in the offer code SUDS and Slytherins. Don't forget, SUDS is S-U-D-S, and the word and is spelled out. SUDS and Slytherins. And I'm doing this through the hiccups, which means you know it's important because it is really hard to talk through hiccups. But... We are happy to support Rin and Elizabeth. They are doing an awesome job. It is... I I just like supporting small businesses in general. But yes, one last time. Check out Starcross Sundries. We love them. They love you. Mwah. Anyway, the dead of time. Sirius and James were agreeing that they were the luckiest men in the world. Why so lucky that I felt it was completely necessary to sneak into Hogsmeade last night and purchase a gift for my beautiful witch, James said, before reaching into his robes and withdrawing a small package. With a flourish of his wand, the small box enlarged on the table. Lily smiled down at it, nodding appreciatively. Good man, Potter. You know I love sugar quills. Where's my gift? Maya eyed Sirius teasingly, genuinely not expecting anything. Ah. I put a lot of thought into your prize, my lovely kitten, Sirius said. Following James' prompt, he stepped over the table, much to the annoyance of Lily, who removed the sugar quill from her mouth to frown at him. Knowing you would find sweets and flowers appalling and cliché, he pointed out, and Maya nodded in agreement, I thought long and hard about what you would love is a token of my affection above all else. And he assumed he bought her a book. It was a fallback gift that they were all aware of, and she had grown to expect such from her family and friends. Remus knew her better, of course, but then again, he still bought her books, at least books she didn't already own. Sirius had always been different, though. He gave her things that meant something to her, like the mismatched earrings from several Christmases ago, or even the Potter family bracelet an older Sirius had given her for her 19th birthday. Sirius never fell back on the easy gifts. I bought a very large box of Honeyduke's chocolate, he announced. Maya furrowed her brows in slight disappointment. That's candy, and he just said that she would find that cliché, muggle. Au contraire, friend. You hold your horses. (sighs) Maya furrowed her brows in slight disappointment. She had not been expecting a gift at all. It was not a holiday, and she had only joked about wanting something. Seriously? Appalling and cliché, and you still bought it? Yes. And then I gave them to Mooney, because he looks like shit today. Sirius replied with a smile. (laughs) I just... Maya let out a soft laugh and wrapped her arms around his neck, kissing him soundly. Merlin, she loved this man. Despite the insult to his appearance, she commented thoughtfully, taking care of the people I love is the best gift you could ever give me. Because your name on his chest isn't enough, James asked from behind Sirius, his tone less than pleasant. Don't be a hypocrite, Jamie, Maya smirked without even looking at her brother as she let Sirius kiss her again and again and again. 
Eventually, Professor McGonagall cleared her throat loudly from the head table, causing Sirius to smile up at the deputy headmistress and slowly pull away from Maya. So, why are you two in such good moods this morning? James asked, watching with great interest as Lily continued to suck on her sugar quills, his cheeks coloring. We found out that Frank proposed to Alice, Lily announced quietly. What? James shouted, the color rapidly draining from his face. Oh, Merlin. Sirius groaned and leaned his head on the table. Both- But what'd he get her? Huh? I'm- I am so confused. I said that he got her a box of chocolates and that was cliche. And then you were like, wait, and it never said what he got her. It did. Chocolates that he gave to Remus. Because he looked like shit. Oh, I thought it was going to, like, be something else. Like, the box says chocolates, but inside it's not chocolate. No, no, he literally bought a box of chocolates and then gave it to Mooney because he looked like he was having a shitty day. And because his gift to Maya is taking care of people she loves. Oh. Okay. That was too subtle for my brain. (laughs) No, it's okay. We we, kind of broke it up. And it is late and we've been recording for a really fucking long time. Oh, Merlin. Sirius groaned and leaned his head on the table. Both witches immediately rolled their eyes. Seriously, you two are just as dramatic as Mary, Maya said with a laugh. Don't worry, he hasn't set a precedent for the rest of Hogwarts, so ease back into your semi-comfortable, non-ball-and-chain-attached lives. What the hell, mate? James shouted as Frank Longbottom walked into the Great Hall, stopping to let go of Alice's hand as if it was commandeered or as it was commandeered, by a group of girls eager to see her engagement ring. What? Frank asked incredulously, looking more amused and smug than anything else. It's not my fault I'm more mature than the rest of you, and I've been thinking about my future instead of the next Quidditch match. I've got a career in the works and a wife to look forward to. Hey, it's not just any Quidditch match, Sirius insisted, and Frank shook his head, chuckling in reply. It's going to be the Quidditch match where my brother gets knocked off his broom. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing? Maya raised a brow. The only thing in my life more important to me than knocking Regulus off of his broom is shagging you to celebrate knocking Regulus off of his broom, Sirius said, with the most genuine look on his face that Maya had ever seen, which only caused her to laugh, loudly. Oi! James glared at his best friend. My sister. It's shagging your mate, Sirius grinned mischievously. Get over it, Prongs. I'll start being quiet about it when you learn to cast silencing charms. James turned to face Frank, his cheeks bright red. Why are you so busy worrying about a career and a wife, Frank? He asked, ignoring Sirius and Maya, who continued to guffaw. I just got why they, it's called, it has no, it's not important, it has nothing to do with anything, but I literally just understood why they call it shagging now. I literally just got that. Okay, it's just me? Never mind. Maybe, I don't know, what is your reasoning? Because, like, when you don't get wax, it's like a shag rug, so you're... Oh my god, I hope she's wrong. (laughs) Oh my god, I hope she's wrong. Is she wrong? I don't know. Fans? That just occurred to me. (laughs) Oh, but I'm not British. British correspondence is—is that why it's called shagging? Did you look it up? Is that why it's called shagging? 
<gasps> oh my god, Cat was right. I was... Oh my god. Sorry, that has nothing to do with anything. It just popped into my head. British <laughs> <laughs> correspondence. Oh my god. See, now I'm an honorary Brit. First I was an honorary Aussie, now I'm an honorary Brit. I just want you to appreciate <laughs> the original origins of all of it is old Germanic. <laughs> like, it is such an old term for having sex. What the fuck? Cool. That is beautiful. Also horrifying. And I'm <laughs> mildly upset that I never figured that out. Well done, Kat. Well done. Also, when you Google it, the first, the first like, one that pops up for me has the word shag centered, censored. Like, you would, like, censor bad language. Oh, wait, it's also, it's also because it could have been derived from Old English for the word for shake or quake, like fast <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just thinking of shake weights. <laughs> so when Brits are in California, there's an earthquake, do they say that the earth is shaking? <laughs> Can no. you shag while it shakes? I would guess so, but... Less movement on your part. It's lazy man sex. (laughs) Anyway, the dead of time. Fuck me. James turned to face Frank, his cheeks bright red. Why are you so busy worrying about a career in a white, Frank? He asked, ignoring Sirius and Maya, who continued to to guffaw at his expense. Changing the subject, Sirius smirked. Classy move. Frank laughed along with Sirius and Maya, but indulged James in his need to divert attention away from himself. We weren't going to make a big deal about it, but Alice and I got accepted into the program for early or training. We're both going into the academy right after graduation as long as our newts are up to par. James grinned. Good job, mate. That's fantastic. Thanks. Sirius stopped laughing and suddenly looked worried. The boyish features that had become so dominant while he was laughing faded into the sharp angles of a mature and stressed-out adult. Should I have put in my application in early? I thought I had to wait to complete newts. You're still planning on being an oar? Maya asked with a frown. What else would I do? Sit on my arse and live off my money? Granted, there had been a war going on, but in her original timeline, an older Sirius seemed perfectly content to do exactly that. She couldn't remember a single conversation with future Sirius regarding employment, or recall a plan other than surviving the war and getting everybody back on their feet. Recalling the statistics she had read long ago about the number of R's killed in the First World War, Maya began to worry her bottom lip between her teeth. It's just, it's not a safe job. It makes me nervous. Aw, kitten, you worried about me? Sirius grinned, leaning in to kiss her cheek, and then the space behind her ear that sent shivers down her back. Those shivers would be the death of her, and she would gr- <laughs> and she would greet death like an old friend, willingly, as long as Sirius never stopped doing that. 
Don't worry. I'll be one of the best oars the Ministry's ever seen. I'll change the whole game. Catching Death Eaters and Dark Wizards. Azkaban will never be the same when I'm done with it. Maya twitched. Well, that's for sure. Speaking of Death Eaters, Alice whispered as she took a seat besides Frank, frowning as she set a copy of the Daily Prophet down in the center of the table. James snatched it up immediately, and Sirius and Maya leant over Lily to read as James held the paper outward. In the center of the front page was a moving photograph of several surly-looking oars, Alistair Moody, and Rufus Scrimgeour among them. Beneath the photo read the caption, Death Eaters Strike, Family of Four Murdered. Two of the victims had been children under ten, and there had been signs of torture before the killing curse was cast on the entire family. There had been many attacks over the years, and they all followed them closely, but this was the first public report of children being involved. Almost instinctually, Maya turned and glanced across the room where she spotted the Slytherin table gathered around several copies of the Prophet as well. Some appeared to care less, while a few others, notably Barty Crouch Jr., were laughing. Two faces at the end of the table, however, stood out. Cold and nearly emotionless, Severus Snape sat side by side with Regulus Black, both looking ill and regretful. Yeah, because they did it. Well, I don't know that they did it because they would have been at school, but I think they think that by being a part of the Death Eaters, they condoned it. Yes. So yeah, that was that was one of our longer chapters, I think. Maybe. Maybe I'm just crazy, but that one felt really long. You are crazy. It was just long because we kept talking about random crap. That is fair. We had like 15 million things for Hannah Beth to cut out, and she is going to murder us in her sleep, but that's okay. But, however, it is now May, and that means we have a new list of Patreons. We'd like to thank our foxes, Jade, Jackie, Becky, Rebecca, Muggle Trucker, Camille, Rachel, Carissa, Sandra, Leanne, Cassie, Michelle, Amber, Ryder, Ash, Ryland, Crystal, Olivia, Laura, Heather, Sarah, Chelsea, Sylvia, Sarah, Audrey, Emma, Claire, Amara, Jenny Fleur, Roshan, Lynn, Melissa, Jillian, Shelby, Hannah, Tori, Amanda, Nevi, Hannah, Shannon, Paige, Sarah, Sarah, Martina, Samantha, Kenny, Dan, Miriam, Kara, Kara, Michelle, and Frau Holly. We'd also like to thank our newest wolf, Oda. And thank you again to all of our brand new May Patreons. We are so happy to have you supporting us. It is May. It is halfway through spring. We are coming into the summer months. It's very exciting. Spring has sprung. The rain has hopefully passed all of you by, unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case it's almost winter, so it sucks to suck, nerds. Um, Unless you like winter, in which case, enjoy! But hey, there's been a lot of flooding in some parts of Australia. Like, that's nuts. True, 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 true. So they're they're probably tired of rain, especially considering last year their country was on fire. So like, they did the fire, they did the rain, earth, wind, and fire. No, 
There's no water in that title, so... No, there is not. All they have to worry about now is uh, tornadoes and earthquakes. And- <gasps> Hannah Beth, don't you dare put that in the episode. Why are you saying things? Cut it out of the episode. <laughs> oh. I am like, sorry, Australia. Why is she predicting things? Oh my gosh, no. shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You better undo your shit and say some nice things about Australia now. And uh, fire and water balance. So now officially Australia is done with everything. It's great. It's perfect. Now you're just going to be lush and beautiful forever. I find Vegemite delicious. And Cat finds Vegemite delicious. There, so. we fixed it. Because Cat finds Vegemite good. <laughs> and we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, fwhpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.